What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Croatia podcast. I'm your host, Stan Kozovac, and I'm bringing you the best of Croatia from around the globe. This episode is brought to you by Adriatic Tours, the best place since 1974 to book your cruises, tours, flights, and simply all things Croatia. Use the personalized code ALLTHINGSCROATIA to get a special discount and book your trip to Croatia today. For more information, go to www.adriatictours.com or click the link in the description. Now eat them all and let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. In this episode, we have a very special guest with us, Dino Raja. Dino is a Croatian formal, former professional basketball player and is commonly regarded as one of the greats, having won two FIBA EuroLeague championships, two Olympic silver medals, and was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, among numerous other accomplishments. Uh, he's the Croatian national team's second all-time scorer. And in this episode, we're going to hear about his career, some stories from his playing days, and hopefully get some all-important questions answered. Dino, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, but I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this because, I mean, you're somewhat of a legend, especially with us, you know, Croatian and Croatian diaspora. Um, you know, your name always pops up when you talk about great Croatian athletes, um, in particular, great Croatian basketball players. So it's really an honor to have you on here. Thank you. It's good to have to be here. Um, before I start asking, you know, about your career and some stories from your playing days, uh, can you talk a little bit about just growing up in your childhood? I mean, I know you were born in Split. What was sort of your childhood like there? Uh, very simple, being on the street all the time, you know, no no screens, no mobiles, no, uh, not even a TV program. You have one one uh, channel that work uh, uh, mostly all day and uh, that was it. Uh, one cartoon of, of, you know, three minutes at 7.15 in the evening and uh, that was it. So pretty simple like all boys, I spent uh, most of my days on the street playing some ball or, 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 or football or basketball or handball or anything. On the summertime, we move all that uh, on the water sports and uh, uh, you go home only when uh, your mother called you to eat and uh, back to back to the streets. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, more simple lifestyle than today's kids. Yeah, that's for sure. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Were you good at the other sports as well, aside from basketball? You know, I try many sports when I was a kid. Uh, you know, I try with the uh, with the handball. I try rowing. I try water polo. I try swimming. You know, you know, in split uh, these these water sports are very popular. So I I did a lot of that. But uh, later on, when I started with the basketball, which was pretty late. Um, I fell in love with it. Basically, I fell in love with the uh, with the people that 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 I found over there, and um, you know, we kind of uh, bond very very soon, and uh, we spend a lot of time, you know, with with each other before practice, after practice, and uh, that's why I hung around. At what age did you start playing? I start. I was uh, over fourteen. I was like fourteen and a half when 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 I came to my first uh, basketball practice. Wow! Yeah, that is pretty late. Were you already tall at that point, or did you grow later on? Mm, I was tall, but not like 
not, not like today. No. <laughs> so were no. you, I mean, I know that helps a lot of people who have growth spurts later on in basketball because, you know, they play like a point guard, they dribble a lot. And then once they grow taller, they keep those skills. Uh, was that something that helped you as far as, you know, dribbling and being agile? No, I was lucky, you know, when I when I started, uh, it was good basketball school in split. And then then when I when I uh, grew up a little bit, uh, I had also I was lucky to be able to to work with some of the uh, basketball best with the Chosic, with the Slavko Trninic and then after Bojo Malkovic. And um, And uh, sorry, no problem. And, uh, those guys really, you know, impacted me a lot, and uh, I learned from them a lot. And uh, especially, I have to emphasize, you know, on uh, Slavko Trinic because he was the guy who who worked with us, you know, hours and hours, and. Uh, uh, we used to practice, you know, in the summertime where uh, for like ten hours a day. So when you and we did we did everything. We we are probably you know uh, pioneers in that kind of work because the, as a big guys we did all uh, you know guard the program and the, the wing program and you know running and dribbling and everything. Not only you know big guys do big guy stuff and little guys do little guy stuff. We we did a little bit, little bit of everything. So it was really you know uh, great to have those kind of uh, coaches. And uh, you don't know that uh, when you are that young, but later on you you realize you know who helped you the most in your in your career. Mm -hmm. That was a Yugo Plastica or um, Dalvin. You plastic, you plastic. Yeah. Darling, I was just a little bit, you know, before you were plastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When did you start to get noticed, sort of by like international scouts? I guess. Uh I really don't know. We we used to go out and play these tournaments and. Uh, uh, in Germany, in France, uh, all over the place. But, uh, you know, it's not like today. Today, you know everything about everybody because you can see it on uh, YouTube, on uh, any kind of uh, media, uh, social media. Back then, it was nothing, you know. We have, um, like, newspapers where you can read some names and numbers, but you don't know anything. We uh, first time I, I think we played this. It was one famous tournament in Mannheim in Germany, where where uh, some Americans were coming, and I think the first time I was like sixteen uh, to attend that uh, tournament with a national team, and uh, I think I think that's that was the first time when when uh, you know we went uh, on public display, you know, internationally. Hmm. And then it was. You were drafted in 1989 originally, right? But you had some yes. issues with the club. Yes, 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 yes. I was under contract with the Egoplastica and then they didn't let me go. Mm -hmm. And that was the same, sorry, that was the same draft year as Petrovic and Divac and sort of the first wave. No, of... Petrovic, Petrovic was there before. Uh, it 
was the same with Tony Kukoc uh, and uh, Divac, I think. Okay, okay. And so you had no, some issues with no, your Divac was in, uh, No, no, no. They were later after me, I I think, because I'm one year older than 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 them. Uh-huh. I don't really I have I mean I have to check it. I I, re I really don't remember. It was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you ended up going, I believe, to Italy after that to, to play yes. for the NBA. Yes. Yes. What was that experience like for you? I think it was a good experience for me because uh, you know, uh, living with my parents and uh, going professionally where where you are uh, you know the guy responsible for everything guilty for everything and uh, living on your own uh, for the first time very young i think it helped me a lot uh, growing up as a, as a person not not only as a basketball player yeah. but it was just one one level above that um, that i was playing and uh, I, I think I think it was good. Maybe I should stay there a year uh, less, but you know, one year here or there, it's uh, it's more or less the same. So, mm -hmm. so that was your first experience. I mean, living abroad, living you know outside of your parents' home. Yes, yes, like yes, yes. It was uh, it was it was a really good experience for me. I love I love Italy. I love playing in Italy. Mm. You know the, the, the life, the food, the, the language, and everything. Mm. It's really good experience. Uh, going back to the draft a little bit. Um, nowadays, you know, it's so televised and it's a huge event, and everyone's there and it's on TV, and you know, everyone waits for the draft day. Where were you when you were drafted? Uh, do you, was it as big as it is now? Yeah, for me, it was huge, but uh, you know, uh, when. Um, when uh, we get into the talking with the with the Celtics, they approached me a year before uh, we were playing some pre-Olympic tournament in uh, in uh, in Holland, and uh, they approached me, and uh, of course I was you know very honored to be uh, uh, even mentioned in, in in the Celtics organization because. You know, back then it was Celtics and Lakers, and uh, nobody else existed. It was pre-Jordan era and uh, uh, pre-you know Golden State era and all these uh, players of today. So when they uh, approached me, I was really you know honored and surprised that they even want to talk to me. And I really wanted to go there, but you know how the rules are in NBA, so. Um, when I was approached uh, uh, from some other people, uh, I told them, you know, I don't want to go to NBA. I want to stay in Europe, and that was my uh, my uh, my goal. Um, and then, you know, nobody nobody uh, took me, and uh, uh, you know, I agree with Celtics already, and uh, they took, you know. A player, a player in the first round who was, you know, a better player. Uh, then, then if they took me in the first round and the second round, they they would not take such a good player. So uh, we made a deal that I tell everybody, you know, I'm I'm not coming. So uh, 
but it took it the chance of you know uh, losing a draft pick and uh, I'll end up you know in the second round of the Celtics I remember them them calling me like at six in the morning were you already you are drafted you know you have a plane tomorrow to catch <laughs> where were you were at home asleep or were you waiting by the TV yeah or... yeah no, no no I was home asleep but uh, they 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 woke me up now, it's hard to imagine even going to sleep waiting for a, a call like that I knew that's gonna happen, uh, but you know how draft is. You never know. Maybe somebody take a chance, but uh, maybe you know. Back then, it was not only two rounds like today. It was uh, six, seven rounds. So maybe may, maybe somebody would take a chance on the later rounds or three rounds. I I don't remember how how, how it was. Mm -hmm. And um, they. And they uh, did it, uh, and I was very happy. And the next day, I flew immediately to Boston. We had a press conference. Everybody was very skeptic about me. They thought, uh, um, I don't know English, and I'm going to have problems, you know, Europeans. It was very hard, you know, to be, you know, pioneer in, in, in uh, NBA back then. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I wanted to ask about that as far as being a European player. Was there any, I mean, I wouldn't, discrimination maybe is not the right word, but was there any, um, I don't know, sort of feelings against the European players that maybe they can't compete in the NBA or? Oh, definitely, they... de de definitely not. I don't I don't want to say it as, a, as a anything uh, racist, but uh, it was, uh, you know, back then you didn't have, uh, videos that you can see you, you could see only somebody in person and whatever scouts there were in Europe there were only few of them you know it's opinion of one guy not not you know not um, not like today so um, people were skeptic you know uh, about not only European players about anybody who who uh, who would come out of their system of you know college that you can see every day and follow for for years and, and then you draft somebody but uh, somebody who comes from Europe who play they don't know what kind of competition is uh, uh, this league or that league or whatever it is uh, so it was it was pretty pretty hard. Uh, for them to take somebody, I understand that, but it, it was also hard for somebody to to go there because um, you know the the um, life completely different. Uh, not only many more games, but the games that last longer because you know game in Europe is forty minutes over there is forty eight minutes, so it's like twenty percent uh, uh, longer game. Plus, you have more games, so it was uh, hard physically, mentally, uh, you know, playing back-to-back -back games, and uh, which you don't have here in Europe. Playing, you know, five times a week sometimes. It's something that uh, that was really hard to adjust to. Hmm. That makes sense, yeah. What, what else was hard to adjust to in terms of just, like, living? there outside of you no know, the different mentality different food different uh, you are always in a plane you are traveling always you don't have time for nothing i mean during the season you are 
you are like uh, like putting yeah, like somebody put in a blender and just start the blender on uh, you know, October first and then stop it on on uh, April or May, depend how far you go, and you are you are you know surviving inside all the time. Hmm. Well, I'm sure even weather-wise, it was going from split to uh, Boston is a big change weather-wise too. That's that not the problem because you go, you travel to the different cities in Europe where they have snow and stuff. But the the real challenge was that you go from uh, Boston on the winter time where you have a, a minus temperature and then you go to Florida where you have a nice weather and then you go from florida to denver where you have even 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 worse minus and then you go from there to la where you have nice and warm weather and then from there you go to utah where you have again snow and then you go from there to san francisco where you have nice mild weather again and then you go to minnesota where where your your tears are are, are iced and uh, that's that that was probably you know the hardest thing and then from the game to game you after the game you you, you sit in the plane you travel to some other area and then you play a game tomorrow again so it was um it was hard but you know you 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 adjust from after some time you adjust and the first year was really hard and then after after you just get uh, uh used to it Mm -hmm. As far as the like community of Croatian fans for you in the U.S. when you were playing for Boston, oh, uh, they were everywhere. They yeah, were everywhere. I met people, especially in Toronto. They have a huge uh, Croatian community in L.A., in San Francisco, uh, in, in in Miami. I met so many Croatians uh, around mm -hmm. uh, around the U.S. Yeah, my family is from, my dad is from the um, LA and he remembers going to a game where you, you gave some speech before, um, I forget what he said you were talking about, but they had some press conference before for the Croatian community and you spoke before the game and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, we used to do that all the time. I, I had some people in Boston too, you know, from Croatia that that, that live there and, uh, you know, we find each other always. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sort of... Um, on that, on playing in the U.S., you know, we think we as an American, I guess, I think of, you know, the NBA as the pinnacle of basketball. Maybe now it's changing a little bit. But as far as the fans and the stadium, um, it's pretty mild in terms of um, compared to European fans. And everything. It's nothing comparing to, to Europe, especially comparing to certain places. Not all the places are the same, but mm -hmm. you go to Greece uh, or, or some places in Italy, not uh, not all of them. Uh, some places here in in, uh, in Zadar, for example, uh, people go crazy and uh, it's not easy, you know, to, uh, to mentally, you know, uh, survive that. Yeah, I've I've only seen videos. I've never been to a basketball game outside of the U.S. But yeah, I've seen crazy. Everyone has flares and uh, all kind of stuff. <laughs> all kind of spitting at you, throwing coins at you. Oh wow! Everything on you. Huh. 
So not only is it better, I guess, if you're the um, if you're the home team there, but if you're the opposing team, it's a lot worse. Then I'm sure. It's fun. It's fun. It's uh, it's really fun. It 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 builds you as a character also. Hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I I want to ask you about um, the 1992 Olympics. I mean, that was a um, Croatia had an incredible team. That was sort of the maybe golden age of Croatian basketball. Um, and that was you guys won the silver medal against the U.S. It was also an important time during the Homeland War, 1992. Did you ever think about the role at the time? Did you think about, you know, the role you were playing and sort of showcasing Croatia on an international scale through basketball? That was, uh, that was definitely the most important uh, thing that, uh, you know, we did because, you know, um, uh, nobody knew about Croatia back then um, and we had to show world not only about basketball and uh, that was believe me that was less important than showing people around the world that something is happening in our country and we need help and uh, we were on a mission and what we did in the semi-finals it was just pure, pure survival uh, because of death. And uh, if um, I, I, I'm, I can guarantee you, if if a situation was not like that, if it was a normal, peaceful situation, we wouldn't win that game. Mm. And um, we just, you know, we know what uh, people were going through, and we just put some, you know, extra, extra effort and extra, you know, desire. You know some crazy, crazy mind uh, uh, woke up uh, to to win that game and uh, to be able to play with the you know Americans with the dream team and showcase everything that is going on uh, in front of you know more than a billion people. And so it was more than just basketball. You guys were aware of that the whole time. Definitely. Definitely. Hmm. Uh, you mentioned the dream team. I wanted to ask you about that, which you guys played twice throughout uh, during that Olympics. They say that that dream team is the greatest basketball team ever assembled. Would you agree with that? Definitely, without any doubt. They were that good. Definitely, definitely. It's just uh, when you when you only mention their names, uh, Jordan, Magic, Bird, you know, Ewing. Uh, David Robinson, Mark Price, unbelievable. Pippen. Well, you you guys had played them once. Um, well, I guess during the rest yes, round, we played in the group and we were playing the finals in group. So then, what was the plan? Having played them once, going into the gold medal game, how do you plan for to play against the greatest team ever created? You know, uh, us just being in a, a gold medal game was uh, a win, and uh, we just went there and tried to show uh, uh, the world that uh, you know uh, Croatia is there, and some you know red and white you know uh, squares are all of a sudden famous and uh, uh, it was really uh, the most important thing and it was like a reward for us uh, for a job well done and uh, we knew we have
have really zero, almost zero chance to beat them because we were really short. We had only, you know, five players that, that can match with them and our bench was not strong and they had, you know, uh, you didn't know which starting line, which lineup is better, first or second one. So it was um, uh, really, you know, game without any pressure and uh, uh, it was good for us. Both of those games was good for us to to see where do we stand and how uh, that game was very important to me personally because I I um, figure out they are not you know the Martians and we can compete with them and uh, we can score on them we can defend on them and we can you know succeed in NBA that was very very important for for all of us I think. Mm -hmm. Well, also on that team with you was the late great Drajan Petrovic. Um, I want to ask a little bit about him, if you can talk, you know, for the Diospora like myself, who was too young to see him play, um, can you sort of describe how he was as a player? What was it like to play with him? He was uh, definitely one of the greatest players that, uh, you know, that exist, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy who was an example, you know, uh, in, in working out, he was always uh the best on the practices and uh, when when you don't practice well he was one that would yell on you before the coach and uh, he was always you know uh, work 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 and uh, when somebody who is the best uh, show you something by example then then you follow and uh, that's how i learned uh, how to be a leader of the team and uh, um his example was a very important part of that. Mm -hmm. So he was, I mean, nowadays, my generation knows Kobe for his, you know, sort of mentality. And yes, that's... that 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 was it. That was it. He didn't have that kind of physicality like Kobe, but uh, the, 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 the mind, his mind was uh, exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Were you guys close? How long did you been playing we together? Were, we were uh, playing together uh, for like six seven years in the national team and uh, we were good friends and uh, we talk a lot when he was in uh, in uh, in the US before me uh, we would speak almost every other day and because he wanted to know like all the scores from uh, from um, Croatian league from uh, basketball, soccer, all kind of leagues he would be interested in. And without internet, everything, I would have to buy newspapers and uh, read all the scores to him. And uh, we did that every every other day. Wow. And so he, he came in a few years before you did to the NBA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. He was there before me. Uh, but he was uh, still in... Portland for your first year? No, no, no. He was uh, uh, he was there four years before me. I mean, uh, he wow. went eighty nine when I was drafted. He went there, but then then I went one year in uh, back to split, and then I went three years in Rome. And these four years, he he was in Portland and New Jersey. So wow. uh, when when uh, because I went to ninety three after after he died. 
I went to Boston. I mean, I, when we were together in a national team, I already signed for the Celtics and he was giving me all kinds of advices. And then I, unfortunately, yeah. he died in the middle of that uh, uh, training camp. Yeah, the terrible event that happened. Um, he's definitely one of the greats. His name is always mentioned, you know, great Croatian. Yeah, yeah, we were really good friends and it was really, um, really hard, uh, you know, hard, hard summer. Hmm. I'm sure, yeah, for everyone. Um, Dino, I want to talk a little bit about sort of, you know, the modern today's NBA. Uh, recently, Luka Doncic, um, you know, had a quote. He said that it's easier to score in the NBA, a lot easier to score in the NBA than it is in the Euro leagues. Was the, I know it's a different, completely different era of basketball, but was that the case for you back in the day or no? Well, definitely today is, is much easier. I think that uh, uh, the offense is much more protected than it was back back in the days. Uh, I think that it's much easier to score today than, than it was back then. The game definitely has changed. The game looks more like a, you know all star game during the regular season, where you come on the game to see uh, a heavy load of you know nice passes and dunks and shooting threes and you know run and gun game. During the playoffs, it's a little different, but um, I think uh, back then uh, it was much much harder to play the game. There would be the crap out of you, especially in certain places like in New York, like Detroit, and uh, uh, surviving that it was a difficult task. Yeah, well, I was watching. I heard you in an interview talk about. I think you were talking about Shaq, and you mentioned how you know as soon as you would get the ball in the paint, everyone would just swarm you. And in today's NBA, you know, you can have all the time. Or you were talking about Luka yeah. Doncic, I think, and how he was pump faking. Yes, Luka Doncic. Yes, yes. And I yes, but you know, uh, times are changing, and but you know, uh, he's uh, one of the greatest talents that I have ever seen. Really, uh, him and Jokic—they are guys that see game, you know, uh, three steps ahead, not not one step ahead, but three steps ahead. And that's something that you are born with. That's something that that you cannot learn. Mm -hmm. You can work as much as you want, but uh, these guys are incredibly talented. Yeah, yeah, they're incredible athletes, incredible players. Um, yeah, I was watching your highlights, and as soon as you know, you would take one dribble in the paint. There's like three guys. Everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody. everybody. <laughs> uh, different times. Yeah, different times. Do you know as far as you know Croatian basketball goes right now? I mean, there's some great players in the NBA: Ivica Zubac, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, uh, among others, Sharic. Um, but it seems like internationally, you know, they haven't been performing as well as you know they have in the past. What do you think is sort of maybe the solution? I'll say to um, you know getting Croatian basketball back up on top internationally. Uh, unfortunately. Uh... The, the way basketball is today, I, I don't see it happening very soon. Uh, there are a few reasons for that. First of all, there is a fight between, you know, EuroLeague and FIBA. So uh, EuroLeague teams doesn't allow their players to, to play for a national team. Uh, then on the summertime, you, you do have them. Then NBA 
players are not playing during the winter uh, qualifications and stuff. And you have uh, uh, different lineups all, all the time. On the summertime, you have all of them. Then on the winter time, you have different players. And then it's very hard, you know, when they don't, you know, bond together, match together. They don't have uh, many practices together. It's really, re really hard uh, to make something up. And then uh, yeah, people say, yes, but it's the same for everybody. It's not the same for everybody. Croatia has less than 4 million people. Uh, Spain has 50 million. France has 60 million. Italy has 40 million people. So you have a bigger pool of, of, um, of players and they have better competition within the country where you have these core players that are playing you know on a on a on a winter time because on, on a on a winter time the Euroleague doesn't allow the NBA doesn't allow so um, we miss most of these qualifications because of a lack of quality of domestic players and um, domestic players are not playing here because uh, all these best teams they are taking a lot of Americans uh, and they take all the responsibility. They are paid a lot. They they uh, use the basketball heavily and the domestic players are, you know, uh, not deciding the game. So you have them being like a role players for uh, all the season and then all of a sudden they have to be uh, game deciders uh, for one or two games that you play in qualifications, so it's impossible. Uh, and I don't see, I don't see that change in a, in a near future. I think first of all, FIBA and the Euro League have to sit down and and try to you know figure out how to do this. And. Uh, and then you're gonna need some years, you know, for uh, for for players. You know, players need to play together. This is not a, basketball; is not a tennis where you have one player and he goes and practice on his own and he decide game on his own. You have five uh, players on the court, and you have another three or four definitely that that have to you know mix and match uh, with each other. In order to be successful, uh, you know, uh, creating a team is a, is is a long long work. Not just uh, you know pick players and and have them win the game. That's how you do you know uh, all star game, but not you know important competition, long competition, and stuff like that. Hmm. So that chemistry of playing together enough times is yeah, lacking. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Dino, what are you up to nowadays? Are you still involved in basketball? Uh, I saw no, your... no, 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 not anymore. Not anymore. I'm kind of uh, slowing down with everything. Uh, walking the dog, going on the mountains every day and, uh, you know, trying to to enjoy. Uh, I, I work with, I was with basketball for a long time, for 40 years. And I think it's time to back off. For some, some for some younger guys to come in. Mm -hmm. I saw you've been playing guitar uh, lately. I saw a video you were playing. I think getting yeah, time. yeah. I have different hobbies. I'm skiing and playing guitar. Trying to learn Spanish now. Oh wow! Really? How's that going? You have to. How's it? How's it going? Learning Spanish. Good, good. For one year, I'm able to to communicate. I think. 
I have a teacher, I have a one very good application that I use and uh, uh, I can understand a lot. I cannot understand when they speak, you know, fast and so, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. slang, but uh, I love it. I, I, re I really love it. I can, I, I can see a movie with with subtitles because with subtitles when I read, I can understand what is it about. I can't understand everything. One year is not enough time to learn a language, but you know, I love it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something to, to do. Well, I've been living here in Zagreb now for almost two years and I still, my Croatian is horrible. It's it's so hard for me to learn all the Padiji and, and everything grammatically. Yeah, so you, 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 you move here for last two yeah. years? You plan, you plan to stay here or? Um, well, I hope my mom is not listening to this when I release the episode, but maybe it seems she's back in LA. My family's in Los Angeles, but um, yeah, I like it here in Zagreb. I like I like living in Croatia. It's a different lifestyle, of course, than you know the US yeah. and Los, Los Angeles. Much less that's... less stressed, and uh, mm -hmm. if you are financially independent, that that it's really the great place to live. Yeah, yeah, everything Polako, Pomalo, as they say. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, all right, we've only got about a minute and a half here left. You know, I'll hit you with a few quick questions if you can answer them uh, quickly. Sort of fun ones. Nicest teammate? Oh, D Brown in uh, in in Boston, definitely. Okay, player you would least want to fight, not teammate, but anyone you played against. Oh, Shaq! You don't want to fight Shaq. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, Shaq was huge, huge back yeah. in the day. It still is, <laughs> uh, but he's a great guy. You know, he's uh, he's never he was never dirty guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's what I've heard as well. And and even yeah. now he's doing good things. You know, yeah, he's strong, but he's never he was never dirty guy. Mm -hmm. uh, most memorable shot of your career? Oh, uh, there are so many. So many, but I have to say um, the game uh, that uh, we won our first European title in Munich. Uh, it was one of uh, uh, probably the, the the point where I run the fast break and dunk the ball for the assurance that we will win the, the title. That was probably the most emotional one. Mm. And final question, top three all time greats in order if you can i would say i would say uh michael jordan without doubt is number one um uh, i would put that larry bird and okay sorry so you had said mj larry bird mj larry and kobe hmm. that's the top three awesome yeah. well dino i want to thank you as we're here at the end of the episode thank you so much for coming on the podcast and speaking to me and to you know the rest of the croatian diaspora and who else is whoever else is listening to the uh, podcast um but yeah i really appreciate you taking the time no problem hello to everybody uh, uh across the ocean <laughs>